up a powerful story? I'm Mary DeMuth, and in this podcast, I share stories of everyday people who remind you that you're not alone as you untangle your own story. Because of the outrageous generosity of God, I believe you can experience a joyful restory moment right now. Remember, the old is gone, the new awaits. The Restory Show starts now. The Restory Show, Season 3, Episode 10. Today's podcast is brought to you by BooklaunchMentor.com, and we've just opened up for the new mentoring intensive that comes on May 12th and 13th, and that will be you plus a few of your friends, whoever those new friends will be, learning about everything that I know about how to write your story, how to produce it, how to publish it, how to market it. So if you're interested in that, go to BooklaunchMentor.com. Before we get into today's show, I'm going to share the iTunes review of the week. This one is short and sweet. It's by Cluck65. And Cluck65 says, I love hearing how God transforms us through our pain. And I agree too. That's why I'm doing this podcast, because I just love, love, love to listen to stories. So fun. And I'm so grateful you're here today to just listen to another story. I would appreciate it if you would just take some time today. Just It would take like one minute of your time. If you could run on over to iTunes and do a quick little review of this, if this has been an encouraging podcast, it helps other people to find the Restory Show. So that would be great. Another thing you can do is just share it with a friend. If one has resonated with you, just share the link. Also, uh, if you would like to share your own story for two minutes or less, because it, it cuts you off at two minutes, can't be long-winded, go ahead and go to marydemuth.com and look for the recording micro- microphone on the right-hand side and record your two-minute story, and we'll stick that at the end of the podcast. So I would love to hear it. Today, we're welcoming Hope Harris to the Restory Show, and she was one of the testimonies that was at the Restory Conference last September 2016. The next Restory Conference is also coming in September 2017, so I sure would love to see you there. You can find out more information at marydemuth.com forward slash Restory Conference. Hope has an amazing story. She's the only person that I know who actually saw her parent be killed. And so uh, she has had a lot of pain in her life, but she's also had an amazing amount of victory And boy, does she love Jesus. So I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Hope Harris. Hey, everyone. It's Mary DeMuth at The Restory Show, and I am so excited to have my friend Hope Harris on the show with me. She actually was in um, one of the featured speakers at the Restory Conference last September, and I'm really excited to announce that we are going to have another Restory Conference this September in 2017. And so if you are in the Rockwall, Texas area in that time, or you'd like to fly in because we have people from all over the world actually attend the conference. I would love to extend that invitation to you. It's September. I think it's either the 16th or the 17th. Um, I'll put it in the show notes. But Hope, thank you so much for coming on the Restory Show today. Oh, you're so welcome and glad to be here. And hi to everybody out there in webinar land. (laughs) Awesome. So, Hope, tell us a little bit, just so the listeners will know who you are, tell us a little bit about your story, and then we'll get into the story that you want to share. So like, how did you grow up, or where did you grow up, and where do you find yourself today, just to give us a little background? Sure. So at the age of four, I uh, witnessed the violent death of my mother, and I went into a foster care home in Denver, Colorado, and grew up in the Rockies. And pretty much experienced a lot of trauma throughout my childhood into my young adult years and uh, kind of spent the majority of my life in Seattle, Washington, and then um, found myself. Yeah, I know that's our connection. uh, Then found myself here in the Dallas, Texas area. 
Awesome. And uh, you currently are, what, what's your current position or what are you doing right now? Well, I'm a small business owner, so I house and pet set, and I contract teaching critical thinking skills to court-ordered folks who are looking to fulfill their probation requirements. Nice. And uh, I, you don't know this, but um, my husband and I are thinking about or we're actually going to get a puppy, so we might be needing your, your dog sitting services. <laughs> awesome. I yeah. love that. Yeah, we're scared, <laughs> but it, it'll be fun. We'll have fun. <laughs> awesome. So Hope, tell us a story as you've been praying about it. I know um, I asked my guests to pray about what story to tell. Go ahead and share with the listeners the story that you'd like to share today on the Restory Show. Absolutely. Hey, well, you know, we all have a story to tell, and this is mine of how I resolve my faith and sexuality. At the age of four, I witnessed the violent death of my mother and thought God had abandoned me. When I entered into the home of my foster family and they sexually and physically abused me, I thought God had rejected me. When my foster parents told me I was supposed to be a boy, I thought God had made a mistake. At the age of 11, when I found myself attracted to girls, I felt other than and misunderstood by God and people. By my 20s, I fully embraced my authentic self as a lesbian and believed that the most important thing about myself was my same-sex attractions. In addition, it caused me to think that God was not fair for creating me gay and unjust for condemning me to hell for simply being born this way. I became angry at God and was filled with hatred towards Christians and the church. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would become one of those people, (laughs) you know, a Christian. For the next 25 years, I lived in Seattle, Washington, and committed my life to promoting gay rights and marriage equality. In 2006, my life began to spiral downward after a major car accident that led me to evaluate who I was and why I was here. My long-term relationship with the woman I considered to be my soulmate began to unravel and deteriorated into constant bickering and physical altercations. We both wanted peace, so we sought couples counseling, practiced Buddhist meditation, and participated in drumming circles. We even attended synagogue together, yet peace was elusive. In the fall of 2008, I reconnected with a Christian friend, and she invited me to come to East Texas for a visit. During my stay, my friend asked what I wanted most in life. My answer was, I want peace. She told me the only lasting peace one could find was by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. She shared John 14, 27, where Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift of peace of mind and heart. Those words haunted me for days and brought me to a realization I wanted that peace of mind and heart that Jesus was offering me. On February 14, 2009, I gave my life to Christ, and when I returned to Seattle, the locks on my house had been changed. I was denied access to our joint banking accounts and forced to couch surf. My gay friends labeled me a betrayer and treated me as the enemy. Somehow, none of that mattered. Jesus became the central focus of my life. God quickly uprooted me from the beautiful Pacific Northwest to dry brown East Texas, (laughs) totally not in my life plan. After all, Texas was geographically undesirable, 
politically incorrect. And most importantly, East Texans didn't like people like me, mm-hmm. you know, a lesbian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I refer to this season of my life as my desert experience. I was wandering alone in East Texas, just me and God for a season. It is, however, where my relationship with Christ began to grow and take root. At the time, I believed I was a gay Christian and went so far as to tell God that sexuality was off the table for discussion. In December 2009, God began to challenge me to rethink my beliefs about faith and sexuality. I resisted this idea, shouting at God, You can't make me ex-gay. You created me this way. It's who I am. Thankfully, God was patient with me, and he was gracious enough to connect me to a ministry in the Dallas-Fort Worth area called Living Hope. People in this ministry walk beside those seeking sexual and relational wholeness. My new friends encouraged me to read the Bible and see what God had to say about sexuality for myself. As I did, I realized I was a wounded, sinful woman in need of a Savior, that God calls all who follow him to surrender our will to his. This was the opposite of what I believed about my authentic self, which allowed me to live life on my terms, be whoever I wanted to be, do whatever I wanted to do, and love whoever I wanted to love. I read the words of Jesus in Mark 8, 34 through 37 from the message version, and they pierced my soul. Jesus said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Follow me and I'll show you how. Sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to have everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Those words made me realize I needed to surrender the most important aspect of my life, my sexuality, to God. That God was calling me to die to my authentic self and embrace a new life in Christ. To accept the Bible as absolute truth with the authority to evaluate, inform, and guide my life. To recognize that my attractions and desires were real but I was functioning out of real brokenness, relational brokenness with women, and to pursue a holy sexuality through sexual purity and celibacy. Although it felt like a lifelong death sentence, surrender has birthed new life within me. I have discovered a God who is bigger than my attractions, more than my sexual identity, and greater than my temptations. I live daily in the confidence that I can pursue a holy sexuality, and honor God with every aspect of my life. I'm no longer defined as a lesbian, but rather by my true identity as a child of God. Hope, I so appreciate you sharing that story, and that's what um, you shared at the Restory Conference. And it was uh, it was really poignant because there were people that came up afterwards and just, uh, I think, identified with your story and have had their own struggles. And we've had a hard time in the church really welcoming that, welcoming the discussion around it, the honesty about it. And so I just so appreciate you sharing your story with all of us. And and I know it's hard to do. So thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, it's really God's story. It's, you know, I I stand amazed almost every day when I look in the mirror and think, who are you? You're not even, <laughs> you don't even look like the same person that you once were. But that just isn't a testament to God's ability to change us from the inside out. So true. And one of the things I, I think that I appreciate about and as I've just thought about this issue and prayed through it and read the scriptures, I one of the things that I think is really fundamental, no matter where you are and what kind of orientation you have, is that our identity is not our sexuality. My identity is not that I'm a heterosexual woman. It's, it's that I'm a child of God. And so talk a little bit about how you have come to understand our primary identity. Right. And God kind of took me on a three and a half, four year journey to come to that conclusion. And I spent a tremendous amount of time in Genesis chapters one through three, just trying to grasp who God created us to be, what role sexuality should play in our lives, and then how we should live our lives. And along the way, he really helped me to discover that sexuality is a gift. It's a good gift. It's meant to bring pleasure and joy to our lives. But in reality, that's not the most important or defining aspect of who we are. And that's what I believed for almost 50 years of my life, that it was. And um, what we really are designed and created to be, first and foremost, is in a relationship with God, and then to bring honor and glory to who He is, and to bear His image in a healthy and whole way to others. Because he created us in his image, and we are image bearers. And that has really shifted my thinking. And although sexuality is a reality of the human experience, it is not the defining aspect of any single person on the face of the earth. Well, and if you think about how much time we spend in that particular activity, it's such a small percentage of our lives. And, right. and you know, and if you're celibate, a zero percent of your life. So uh, it, yeah. it can't be, it cannot define you. Um, it cannot be your identity. And I, I've said before that if your identity is based on something that's shifting, you're going to always be on this false sense of security for your identity. But if it's, if it's based on the bedrock truth of Jesus loving you and creating you, then you've always got that to go back to. Right. Yeah. So absolutely go back a little bit and, and tell me when you got back to Washington and the doors were shut and locked and the locks were changed and, and you said it, it didn't seem to matter because you had Jesus and you were couch serving, what, how did you feel when you got to the house and the, and the doors were locked? I mean, that must have just been a, a crazy experience. Yeah. In fact, for the eight, me, eight weeks after I gave my heart to the Lord, it was a little crazy making because I didn't have anywhere to go, really. I had the goodness of friends who didn't really actually understand what I was going from going through or even what was changing within me. And as soon as they saw that I was starting to read the Bible and I kind of wanted to go to church, they were like, uh, you can't stay here. So I kind of felt pretty alone in the world. And I felt myself shifting in priority, although I wasn't doing anything intentional to do that. I think that was God's work in my life. And um, there was actually at the time, that was 2009, so it was 
well before the SCOTUS decision that came down that made same-sex marriage legal in our country, I, you know, was planning and had planned and helped plan a rally at the state capitol in Washington that's coming up right in the midst of all of this happening. And I felt myself for the first time in life not fully committed to that cause, which kind of shocked me. And it was a little bit traumatizing because it was like, huh? And I know this is part of who I am, you know, and, and this is important. But it felt like God was saying, which is more important, me or this? And it was a very challenging question. So, yeah, and, you know, the breakup between my partner and I took that whole six weeks, too. And it was on again, off again. Can we, you know, go to a gay-affirming church and still be a couple? We were totally disregarding the fact that our relationship was already in trouble. Right. And this kind of just set it over the edge. And it was like, you know, I don't think we can. I, I think we're changing in our priorities and values. And I think we're just going to collide head on. We're already heading there. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting season. Yes, that's a nice way to put it. Um, <laughs> and then, so tell tell me a little bit about the good relationships that God has placed in your life over the past several years that have kind of just walked alongside you as you've navigated your new life. I know that that's had a profound impact on you. So share a little bit about that. Yeah, and uh, I mentioned a ministry called Living hope here in the DFW area. And that's really been a key path for me to take. I have, it's not an ex-gay ministry. It really is for people pursuing Christ and sexual and relational wholeness. And um, one of the things that I heard over and over again, and the people that were finding healing, moving forward in the relationship with Jesus, was that they had healthy community around them. And they had people that cared enough to speak truth in their life and run beside them. And so I began to build that, especially when I moved from East Texas to Dallas. Um, I emerged myself in a church and in a small group atmosphere that three and a half years ago became part of my weekly routine. And almost daily we text. And I discovered that while I may not have all that much in common with straight women, which I really actually do, which is a new discovery for me, I still can pursue healthy relationships with women. And that's been the biggest blessing to me. And having accountability people that understand the challenge that it is before you to shift in your ideals about relationships and how you relate to men and women and to support you when you're down and when you're struggling or when you're tempted and to just simply say little things like, hey, instead of taking a trip to stupid land, why don't you just go home? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I like that. Can you tell me the one person, and I'm sure there's more than one, but as that comes to mind right now, the one person who has demonstrated the love of Jesus to you in a profound way? That would definitely be the former women's director of Living Hope. She, as soon as we met each other, there was like a common bond 
And I know that she really believed that my relationship with Jesus was real, which a lot of people were like, really, you're a radical gay rights activist, and you look like a lesbian, you smell like a lesbian, (laughs) and we don't really want too much to do with you. And she just walked beside me faithfully, and, and she discipled me for a year and a half long distance between Dallas and East Texas. Um, We met on a weekly basis on the phone, and then I generally saw her about once a week. I took a long journey into their in-house program almost every week. So, you know, five hours driving once a week. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. And I do just, you know, I think we live in such a broken world and not everyone struggles with the same things. And that's not one of my struggles, but I've got lots of other millions of struggles. And I, I can definitely attest that people loving me well and strong community has absolutely changed my life. And there's just something irresistible about the love of Christ through his church so as you've kind of moved forward and, and continued this path of walking with Jesus, how have you kind of navigated people who affirm, who are Christians who affirm same-sex marriage? How have you kind of walked that path? Because this is pretty controversial. And I know that I'll have listeners that agree and there, I'll have listeners that disagree. But the Restory Show is all about giving, getting people stories and affirming everybody's walk and hearing, you know, where they are. So I just like to hear your perspective on that. Well, that's been kind of one of the um, dominating questions that I really had to resolve. And really, you have to go back to the Garden of Eden to understand that we were created in the image of God. And the Holy Spirit and God the Father and Jesus the Son all modeled that we are made for relationship. And sin, unfortunately, entered into the world and created a breach in relational wholeness and health. And the only way back to Eden, and I believe and I look forward to the day where there is true relational wholeness. We can pursue it on earth while we're here, but we will never achieve true perfection of that until we're in Eden again. But I do believe that we are meant for relationship and it's essential. So when you look back at why did God say marriage should be between a man and a woman. I think you have to look at the motivation of God and his intention for that. And that is that he wants ultimately what is absolute best for us. If we look throughout the Old Testament in between all the laws and all the crazy sacrifices and all that, I read through the Old Testament about two years ago asking just that question. And the answer that comes forward over and over again is so that all will go well for you. Sin causes us to not go down a path that goes well for us. It goes against what God wants for our lives. It gives us brokenness. In many ways, it gives us relational death. It creates our dying bodies. Some people, you know, die sooner because they experimented with drugs and alcohol. We're emotionally, mentally drained because we're not pursuing what God intended in our relationships, and that is for us to serve one another, to build one another up. And you have to look at that and you have to 
I've had to challenge myself with that mentality and say, okay, that's it. God intended all to go well for me. Hmm. And I, I, one of the things I've heard you say before, and I think it's definitely worth repeating, is kind of related to this idea that I think in our culture today, Christianity it can sometimes be seen as a therapeutic religion where you know God only you know we we only need to be happy all the time and it's all about our happiness and our you know not joy but happiness and and yet we serve a God who went to the cross and sometimes there are and a lot of times there are crosses that we have to bear and so how does that you know fit into your own daily battle that's the foremost thing. I quoted Mark 8, 34 through 37 earlier. But if you go up a little earlier in Mark 8, there's a story of the rich young ruler, a very poignant figure in the New Testament and probably the saddest story in the Bible for me, because here was a man that did good things. He, you know, followed all of the commandments of the Old Testament And when he met Jesus, he said, what must I do to be a follower of yours? And Jesus said to him, go away, sell all that you have. And the rich young ruler response was he was disheartened and he walked away downcast. I believe it was because his riches were the most important aspect of his life. And for me, that challenges me daily to say, what am I living for? What is the most important aspect of my life? If it's anything other than Christ, then I need to lay that down at the cross and follow Jesus. And that's kind of become my motivation for living. Well, I may have same-sex attractions still, and there's no denying I do. That hasn't changed in my life. It's certainly not the motivation for living that it once was because Jesus has taken that place. And I think for those who really do struggle with this whole issue of their sexuality and their sexual identity, that's what it boils down to. Is that more important than your relationship for, with Christ, the Son of God who died on the cross for you? Or will you embrace that and hold only 50% of yourself to God and the other you'll just live to please yourself? And that's a hard question. It's a hard place to be, and it feels like death, and it feels like, well, then if I do that, I'll never be married. If I do that, then I'll never truly be relationally happy. But over the last eight years since becoming a Christian, in deeper intensity, I have seen that that's not true. I am satisfied in my life. I can say that I have joy, and I have peace, and I have contentment. That's really beautiful. And I think it, it ministers to me on so many levels because I think there are things that Jesus asks me to give up and there are things that I don't want to give up. And yet he does say, take up your cross daily and follow me. And so I do appreciate you sharing that story about the rich young ruler because I hadn't thought of it quite that way of what am I holding back from him or what are my pet things that I want to, you know, whether it's success or whatever, I'm one of those achievers. So mine is often success. So as we finish our talk today, what kind of advice would you give to someone in the same kind of struggle that you've had? Well, I really think that it comes back to what is truth. 
And I think that the biggest thing that anybody wrote is, A, make a priority for you to develop an in-depth, meaningful relationship with Christ. Put away the same-sex attraction thing for a year and pursue Christ. And in that time, say, God, show me, lead and guide me into all truth, Holy Spirit. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. It's one of his main roles. John 14 through 16 really talk about that. Lead and guide me into all truth. And then ask God to open the Bible up to you and show you the truth of how he created us to be and who he created us to be and what our true purpose is in life. I love that. And just pulling away and and spending some time with Jesus is always an amazing thing to do. So how has, the last question I have for you is, how has Jesus restoried you in the past year? <laughs> That's an incredible, I find myself more and more, um, especially because I have a flexible schedule, I find myself sharing my story a lot more and walking beside friends and family who have people that are at the crux of their sexual identity and deciding on going all in there. I don't know about this faith thing, so I'll have conversations with folks like that. And then I find myself walking beside more and more women in particular who are trying to resolve their faith and sexuality. Never thought that would be a part of my life. And it has become a very predominant part of my life in the last year. And it's such a joy to me to realize that God does take our stories and he retools it and fashions it for his honor and glory and allows us to walk beside others so they can discover the same thing that we've discovered in relationship with Christ. So that's probably the biggest thing this last year has been for me. I love that. And I love to be a part and just watch, you know, how God opens doors for you. And I, I just have this sense that there's going to be more and more doors open and um, you'll be able to have more times to speak this message of hope and truth and joy. And thank you so much, Hope, for coming on the Restory Show today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, I pray for all those in the audience today who may just be broken by Hope's message or frustrated or confused or whatever. Lord, I know you are bigger than all those things. And I pray, Father, that we would all find our identity wholly and fully in you, uh, that we would know that we are loved children of God, no matter what we struggle with, no matter what our sin is, no matter what other people struggle with, no matter you know, what kind of environment we find ourselves in, that we would just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you died for us and that you have great passion for us. And and I pray too that we would return the favor and have great passion for you, that we would take up our cross daily and follow you and give up things for the sake of the kingdom. Not that you're demanding them in order for us to be accepted by you because you have already fully accepted it, but that that would be our positive response to a life transformed by you, that we would surrender our lives again to you, Jesus, because that is the way to life. Those who wish to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their lives for his sake will find it. And I'm so grateful for that. Jesus, teach us what it means to follow after you. I pray these things in your name. Amen. If you'd like more information about today's show, head on over to marydemuth.com forward slash restory 3-10. That's marydemuth.com forward slash restory 3-10. And may you live a brand new story this week.